There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Leap Day. Today is February 29th, 2024. This is episode number 568 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, James Zitacuto, Marcus Kyler of the Yeet Crew, Mike Fish, Cyber Butterfly, Casually Joseph, and Jesse Johnson, Jenny Housley of the Mod Team, Sepazot, former baton holder, Omatola Agbana with the blue badge, and good to see you, Omatola. Jose Alfredo and so many more like Logan Fuller over on LinkedIn, people like Raniel Isaac on YouTube, first timers and long timers. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you use this information to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break in the industry, believe me, there's plenty of room for you here too. You will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? The Daily Cyber Threat Brief is a home run answer, plus the networking with the Simply Cyber community, hashtag Team SC in chat is phenomenal, and I can't overstate how valuable uh, networking is. So say hello in chat and, you know, get familiar, get friendly. This is a really supportive, inclusive community. It's absolutely dope. Now, we're going to be going through the top cyber news stories of the day, but I want you to know that I have not prepared or researched any of these stories in advance, so you're getting my rough, rugged, raw uh, initial reactions and thoughts on that. And occasionally, I sprinkle in uh, the more you know kind of stories uh, littered from my past uh, and from my career. But it's going to be good. So before we dig into the show, though, let me give you some love sponsors. Let me share with you those uh, brands, businesses, and Friends, I call them friends because I, I, I am friends with these businesses and the business owners who allow me to serve you every single morning. This cup of coffee paid for by Barricade Cyber Solutions. Thank you, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Guys, listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and helping them recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive freaking catastrophic issues. Quasi, sorry, Kennedy. For businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil but guess what barricade cyber solutions they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents they know how to eat threat actors out the environment they can help you check them out at barricadecyber.com links in the description below also want to say shout out and love to panopsi security listen panopsi can help partner with your business to drive cyber risk reduction by helping you develop, mature, and grow your information security program in a meaningful business, you know, like business aware way. What does that mean? They're 
they're reasonable about what your budget is, what your resources is, what industry you're in, what's the focus of your business, how does it make money, and how can we make sure that that stays resilient in the face of compromise? So, like, let's get more like actionable about it. If you need help building a program, if you need help speaking to the board, if you need help with a tabletop exercise or an enterprise risk assessment or whatever, Put Upside Security can do that for you. They are a full service shop. Um, of, you know, cybersecurity professionals. That's basically what it is. So go to penopsi.com at a minimum, connect with Brandon Poole, P-O-O-L-E on LinkedIn and say, Jerry sent you. I love myself some Brandon Poole. Also anti-siphon training, but more about those beautiful babies at the mid-roll. Guys, I want to let you know every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, take a screenshot, file it away on a folder in your on your desktop and once a year count the number of files and divide by two that's how many cps you got here and the reason you take the screenshot is if you're ever ever uh audited you just send the archive of all the screenshots and be like here you go next thank you next you can play a little ariana grande up in their face it is thursday so it is meme of the week every day of the week has a special segment and haircut fish has consistently built a custom bespoke meme every single day and today is exceptional guys stay tuned to the mid-roll because the meme of the week uh dan has entered into a new phase of creativity uh, a new medium if you will it's absolutely splendid you're gonna love it i promise you if you are here for the first time i do want to call out and say welcome to the show welcome to the party pal every single day we have some new first timers and it's incumbent upon me and the rest of the simply cyber community to welcome you without open arms so all i'll say is if today's your first episode if you're just checking us out that's cool drop a hashtag first timer in chat hashtag first timer in chat simply because we love welcoming our first timers making them feel supported and inclusive and we have a special sound effect and a special emote Mr. Green reads Johnny Five and Jane Michelle's dropping the uh, emotes. And I'll drop a little teaser of the sound effect. So let us know. Otherwise, if you're a regular, hashtag Team SC in chat. It's great to see you, uh, regulars and uh, second timers, third timers, all you regulars. Um, so as fun as it is to have um, fun and play games and such, we are here for work. So let's get that going. Uh, Moshin Bollock. First time in chat, judges, does that count? Yes, yes, I'm getting a nod. Very good. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the chat party, uh, pal. Good to have you here. Love it, love it. Keith Sloan for the first time. Welcome to the party, Keith Sloan. Great to have you here. We'll get a little little uh, Bruce Willis action for you. And then uh, Cybersec JS Team SC Emilio. Regulars in here. Hashtag Team SCs. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Oh, I love the video. Thank you, Joshua. All right, guys. But seriously, as fun as it is, we do have work to do. So go ahead, get your cup of coffee or get your bourbon, wherever you are, whenever you are, and whatever it is that makes you comfortable. Settle in, because right now we're going to let the cool sounds of the hot news <laughs> wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Happy Leap Day. I'm Rich Straffolino. Hey, Rich. Biden signs order limiting the sale of personal data. 
This executive order limits mass scale sales of American citizens' data by data brokers to countries of concern like China, Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, and Russia. Data covered by the order includes geolocation, genomic, financial, biometric, health, and other PII. A Biden administration spokesperson framed this order as a matter of national security. The order does not address the sale of American PII to other countries. The Justice Department said the executive order requires due diligence by data brokers to vet their customers, operating similar to sanctions. Austria. All right. So, all right. Here's the deal. This is around uh, data privacy and national security. So it's quasi cyber related, but not really, but it is, it is important. Okay. So uh, two things. One, um, if, if, if you've been a regular of the show for a while, um, then you know that the John Oliver special on data brokers is basically must watch, um, like that it's must watch, um, content, like for educating yourself on the reality of like data brokers and what is going on with uh, data brokership in the United States. It, and it's, it's out of control. I'm gonna drop a link in chat really quick. If you get a time, it's absolutely, absolutely worth your time to understand what the data broker ecosystem is. Uh, in the United States. Now, Biden's signing an order basically saying that these data brokers cannot sell the data essentially to BRICS countries, okay? So it doesn't say that, but it it's basically BRICS countries. BRICS being like the new, you know, uh, like <laughs> it's almost like, um, you know, there's NATO and, you know, kind of the five eyes and stuff. There's like these alliances of first world powers. Well, uh, powers that are not super into like Western philosophies uh, have formed their own kind of like Justice League. And it's Russia, excuse me, it's Russia, China, um, South Africa. Um, what, what's the, uh, Brazil is the B, uh, Iran. They're also adding like Saudi Arabia, UAE, and a couple other ones are coming in uh, or they were going to be joining in the beginning of 2024. So they're probably already there. So anyways, there's like this like, you know, you know, uh, like wrestling tag team faction, right? I've been, for some reason, I've been using like classic wrestling references lately, but um, that's forming over there. So essentially what uh, Biden's executive order is saying is you're not allowed to sell data to our, our adversaries or our enemies effectively. Um, I don't know if they're straight out calling them enemies, but you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the deal. Now here is, here's a couple things. One, um, you know, obviously data, you want to protect it, but data is the gold. So data brokers are selling this wholesale. Um, I hate to be such a Debbie Downer, like, womp, womp, womp. I'm going to put my little tinfoil hat on here, but guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, please. I'm, I'm, I can be wrong, but dude, check this out. Um, it's, it's not that complicated to stand up a business in the United States. Like you just stand up a business, shell companies all over the place. Maybe you open one in, I don't know. Um, we have people in here from Ghana, right? And Malawi, right? Like open a business there where you're not part of bricks where that happens. And then you basically buy the data from the data brokers there and then turn around. And Malawi doesn't have a executive order saying it can't sell to Russia. So to me, like this is, this is interesting, but like, dude, I like, I think my eight-year-old could figure out how to circumvent this. So I, I, I don't know how they're going to do that. The data brokers are certainly not 
they're going to be taking a massive financial hit, right? And data brokers are all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So why would they not like, I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but like, why would they not be like, oh yeah, no problem. Like the executive order doesn't say we can't sell to Guatemala. And now all of a sudden Guatemala is a hotbed for like data bro data broker, you know, basically um, like boomeranging it off of Guatemala. Right. So I, I don't know, like whatever. Um, I will say that I do think that the data brokership is outrageous and the way they can enrich data to really get precision um, and, and de-anonymized data is interesting. Uh, from a from a security perspective, I do get it, right? Like VIPs, um, government officials, uh, soldiers of the US military, like we, you, you really would prefer not to be able to compromise them. When you go get your, uh, in the United States, if you've ever had a security clearance, you know what this is. But like when you go for a security clearance in the United States, they ask you about your criminal history, obviously, drug history, obviously, uh, your financial history, right? Do you have a gambling problem? Are you in debt? Like the, all the things that could be used to compromise you. And if adversaries are purchasing data on individuals who are in positions of power or access to information, they can be exploited and ultimately extorted. Hey, like I see you have a $250,000 debt with FanDuel. You know what? I would love to give you exactly 250 grand if you simply plug in this USB drive. What do you say, buddy? Right? So um, the data can be weaponized in this way. It's not just for selling, you know, diapers to a woman who uh, like started going to a OBGYN, right? Like th that's kind of the classic example. All right, here we go. Joe Hudson's in chat. Hello, Joe. <laughs> guys, if you don't know Joe Hudson, please say hello to Joe. Hi, Joe. I'm going to say hi, Joe. Joe Hudson, great guy uh, working over at TCM. Big fan of mine. Great rapper and has got some dance moves. Ask him about his history. It's awesome. Elia claims it's seeing unprecedented foreign interference. This finding comes from Mike Burgess, Director General of the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, or ASIO, as part of its annual threat assessment. The group claims a dedicated team in a specific foreign intelligence service focuses on espionage in Australia as a priority target. Burgess also claims the same group previously recruited an Australian politician and invited leading academics and political figures to an event meant for spy recruiting. The report also said the most immediate, low-cost, and potentially high-impact vector for sabotage is cyber. It specifically called out nation-states targeting Australian critical infrastructure with highly sophisticated methods. Okay. All right. Hey, I... I don't know if anyone from Australia is in chat. Uh, we could have used you yesterday on Worldwide Wednesday. We You were missed yesterday, uh, Australia. Hey, um, okay, so Five Eyes Country, no surprise. There's this, I, again, I hate to be like the sky is falling, but if you read the tea leaves, again, I'm apolitical and the show's apolitical, but just if you read the tea leaves, there's like this kind of, BRICS faction separation, decoupling of global uh, global economy, global supply chain, um, you know, de like removing dependencies on certain countries uh, for certain resources. And, you know, Five Eyes countries are uh, kind of banding together. So it's no surprise Australia is, you know, getting an uptick in activity um, around espionage. Now, as far as foreign interference, I didn't hear the story. I don't know if they're screwing around with the elections down there as well. But um, basically it's just, you know, uh, they must have more interaction and more, uh, geopolitical execution going on where it becomes interesting for, uh, countries to want to commit espionage and get in there. Um, uh, what I would say is, um, 
This is definitely uh, a question that I would like. Yeah, you can see right here, five eyes. They're talking about that. Um, it doesn't say China specifically in here, but it is worth noting. China is phenomenal at espionage. Like that's their bag. Um, so, you know, it could be, you know, targeting from China. Australia's had significant amount of cyber attacks recently. Like they're the country's main telecom provider got hit last year. The country's main healthcare provider got hit last year. So they've been getting like punched around um, like glass Joe in the first match of uh, Mike Tyson's punch out, like just, you know, getting tuned up. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I will say this. I would love to throw up. Uh, well, I'll take this for action. I'll, let me write it down. I'll take this story. I would love to send this over to Charles Finfrock, uh, our, our own resident, um, you know, foreign espionage, uh, covert agent CIA guy and get his thoughts on this story. So I will do that. Um, maybe I can have him on the show or something like that and uh, get his thoughts because, you know, he's obviously an expert in this space. All right. Lazarus Group targets Windows and PyPy. Security researchers at Avast discovered the North Korean threat group began exploiting a zero-day in Windows app locker drivers to gain kernel-level access. The group used this to bypass bring-your-own-vulnerable-driver techniques. Microsoft released a patch for this vulnerability as part of Patch Tuesday earlier this month, but did not mark it as under active exploitation. That's what's new from Avast. In other Lazarus Group news, Japan's Computer Security Incident Response Team warned that the group uploaded malicious PyPy packages to infect developers with Comebacker malware. The four packages were downloaded over 3,000 times. The packages are no longer available. China. All right, all right. So um, I see Chris Rock in chat. Uh, what's up, Chris? Confirming or also echoing that he's suspect that the Australian story was, in fact, China uh, coming after you. Um, Okay, so Lazarus Group, if you guys don't know, Lazarus Group is basically like North Korea's A-team cyber threat actor. Uh, North Korea kind of has like three factions, right, of cyber capability. One that like spies on their their own citizens, one that kind of tries to spy on um, other countries, right? Uh, and then three is Lazarus Group, uh, and they mostly steal money. That's like, <laughs> like North Korea's main GDP is theft. Um, so anyways, uh, they are advanced. We know who they are or at least we knew who they were a couple of years ago, they might rotate in and out um, threat actors onto the Lazarus team. But mostly, um, if you're interested in a really good Lazarus story, um, go check out the Bangladesh bank heist. Uh, Jack Reesider on Darknet Diaries did a phenomenal job of capturing that story. If you're interested, um, they tried to steal a billion dollars and almost got away with it. Pretty crazy. Uh, this particular exploit is um, looks like uh, the app locker driver is the uh vulnerable um is the vulnerable file or you know driver or whatever um and it allows kernel level access yes 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 <sighs> bring your own vulnerable driver technique okay so basically really quick if you don't know like in operating systems there's user land and then beneath that is kernel land operating systems basically allow applications to access hardware resources. That's kind of like the main point of an operating system. But an operating system, obviously, since it can access resources and do all sorts of super sensitive things, you don't, you typically want to put a buffer between, you, you know, users <laughs> and the kernel, which is like the super, uh, the place where like root operates and where system on Windows machines operate. So 
Uh, by being able to get into the kernel, that would essentially mean that the threat actors are able to execute with the highest level of permissions and access any type of resources on that system. Uh, this bring your own vulnerable driver uh, situation, my understanding of it, if, if this is true, and I know there's other um, red teamers and threat actors in chat, or not threat actors, excuse me, uh, pen testers and such, Chris Rock. Uh, is you know has offensive capabilities. He might be able to comment on this. But with bring your own vulnerable driver, my understanding is that you bring you know you have a malicious modified version of a driver that you bring and get access to the machine, right? So Lazarus had to get initial access to this box, and then once you drop it on there, when you run the application like Windows App Locker um, or whatever app is using that driver, when it calls that driver. The driver is like basically like a trojanized version of the driver. And when it pulls it, it allows the execution of like whatever the malicious part is that you uh, enabled. And in this case, um, gaining kernel level access, right? And turning off security tools, which is obviously uh, a threat actor's delight. Um, so, so that's the deal. Obviously, um, hold on. I don't, I don't, I don't research these, and this is a little bit more of a complicated technical story, so uh, bear with me for a moment. Um, once they exploit it, it looks like they're, um, they they put a updated rootkit. So they put a rootkit in there. Basically, they get into the kernel and then they bury a persistence mechanism that allows them to come and go as they please, that can't go detected. That's really the the gist of a rootkit, is that it's buried in the, in the, in the root uh, and not easy to remove. Uh, usually when you have rootkits, um, you just want to re-image the machine. Um, so anyways, there's probably IOCs for this, but this is a pretty nasty um, bit of uh, tradecraft for Lazarus Group, okay? Um, and there's just more information in here about what they do. So, um, ooh, here we go. So this, you can see this, this is actually disassembled code. What are we looking at? Are we looking at their actual... Yeah, okay. So this is this looks like this is pulled from IDA. I've mentioned IDA on the show before. IDA basically allows you to disassemble binaries and look at them. Um, this is assembly language right here. And you can see in IDA, it shows you kind of the control flows of, you know, basically uh, this top one where it says JL short. Whether it, it returns a zero or one, zero, it'll go down. Uh, one, it would jump down into lower here, you can see the green arrow. Basically, these are like control loops. Like if you see like a four, you know, A equals X from, you know, like a for loop, a, a, a do while loop, et cetera. That's what these look like. Um, and it's showing where the exploitation is. So anyways, it's interesting. This is very technical. From a cybersecurity practitioner uh, perspective, all I would say is um, you will want to, obviously you'll want to patch if they have a patch for this, um, for this uh, CVE, but it is a zero day, which means uh, there isn't a patch yet. That's the whole gist behind a zero day. When you hear that term, it means it's like there's you, you, there's no patch, right? You can't you can't patch it. Ah, you gotta patch it. So obviously, Windows would very likely put a patch out. Typically, there's a workaround. Even when there's a zero day, there can be a workaround where like you disable something. Uh, also, do they have IOCs in here? No. I don't see IOCs. Like typically you can go look for IOCs if you suspect that Lazarus Group would be attacking you. Again, not everybody's getting attacked by Lazarus Group. Also, um, Lazarus Group's MO, like their, their TTPs, if you will, 
they're not like wholesale mass scanning the internet and looking for anyone. Like Lazarus is pretty deliberate on who they attack and how they attack. So, um, you know, this is like kind of an interesting, more technical case study for y'all. All right. And Chris Rock, thank you. Uh, resident expert on this kind of stuff. Off Offensive drivers rock. Protecting Protection ring one to zero is easier than three to zero. There you go. Chipmaker cleared on espionage charges. Oh, here we go. Back in 2018, the U.S. Commerce Department added Fujian Jinhua integrated circuit to its entity list, identifying it as a national security threat. The government alleged Fujian misappropriated trade secrets for memory chips from Micron Technology. After a non-jury trial, U.S. District Judge Maxine M. Chensney found that the company was not guilty. Micron said it already reached a civil settlement with the Chinese firm and agreed to drop all claims against it. It's unclear how this ruling will impact similar cases against Chinese firms going forward. All right. So, yeah, Chinese shipmaker. I don't know this particular case, but there's been a whole host of um, uh, claims, essentially, that uh, Chinese manufacturing of technology is baking in back doors, is, you know, selling secrets, you know, all, all this stuff. Again, reading the tea leaves, there's a lot of this like decoupling of the global supply chain, the global economic interdependencies, a lot of disentangling uh, where BRICS is kind of shifting over here. It's almost like in my mind, it's almost like Pangea and like the, 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 the tectonic shifts are happening where like, you know, this continent is basically BRICS and this continent is NATO and five eyes. And they're like beginning to shift away from each other. Um, okay, so this one's cleared uh, in a criminal trade secrets case of espionage. I don't know what they were doing. Um, the United States has been leading a charge of basically preventing China from getting semiconductor technology. Um, you haven't heard too much about it, but um, I think it's Japan, Netherlands. Um, uh, oh, my God. Uh, chip export China. like. Yeah, like like this. Um, I mean, this is from April of 2023, but like Japan and the Netherlands announced plans for new export controls on semiconductor. And, you, you know, it says Japan and Netherlands, but you may note that this is the Oval Office and this is Joe Biden, right? So like the United States is all up in there. I'm not saying that like we're puppet masters or whatever, but there has been like a uh, deliberate uh, effort and initiative to hamper China's ability to get access to this technology. Um, so I suspect that this chip maker thing is around exporting, you know, um, knowledge and patents and blueprints and such. Uh, and they, they're basically getting, um, you know, they, they investigated and, you know, it's not, it's not a thing. Okay. So whatever, not, not necessarily, um, Oh, uh, not necessarily uh, cyber news, but interesting from a geopolitical space. I'm just hearing right now from BSEC. Um, that Battlefield Cyber has an entire chapter on this, which, by the way, is awesome. Um, I do want to share this on stream really quickly. Um, shout out to Christina Palika for helping manage and maintain this. Uh, this is simply cyber.io slash books with an S on the end. And like these are books that I like and have, have am reading or have read. And this is Battlefield Cyber. I'm actually in the middle of reading this right now, and I have not got to this chapter. But this book is wicked awesome. And uh, it's called Battlefield Cyber, How China and Russia Are Undermining Democracy and National Security in the United States. And um, BSEC is saying he's read up to or past chapter 10, which does an entire deep dive on what I'm talking about, about this 
semiconductor and chip technology and all, and the reasons why they're doing it. So fascinating stuff. Thank you very much, uh, BSEC, for sharing that. I'm going to pick that book back up um, now that you've reinvigorated uh, me. So. And now a word from our sponsor, Egress. Yes. People are the biggest risk to your organization's security, and they are most vulnerable when using email. With more advanced threats getting through secure email gateway detection every day, Egress provides AI-powered email security that eliminates both inbound phishing attacks and outbound data breaches. What's more, Egress's adaptive security architecture personalizes security for each user based on their real-time risk score. Visit egress.com to learn more about Egress's intelligent cloud email security suite and start detecting email threats your secure email gateway is missing today. All right. Hey, uh, Keith Sloan and other first timers, may I introduce you to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club that we do every day at the mid roll? everybody hey i hope you're having a great show this leap day is kicking it am i right it's really jumping oh all right hey if you're getting entertainment value or educational value from the stream do me a favor hit that like button if you're on youtube it literally isn't a vanity metric it will help trigger the youtube algorithm to tell other people searching for cybersecurity content on the on youtube that a lot of people like you who look at cyber content on youtube like this show, which will basically push it into their feed, and we can welcome more first timers. So, um, you know, thanks a lot for that. As always, we're here every single weekday morning, kicking it, uh, having a good time. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi, for enabling me to do this every day. Also, shout out to Anti Siphon Training, guys. Anti Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high quality cutting edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position. Anti-Siphon training offers students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, really get that hands-on keyboard vibes, and engage with their community in a fun and inclusive way. If you're enjoying the community in chat right now, you will love trainings with Anti-Siphon training because it's basically the same thing, except it's on Discord, so you can really get bananas with the animated GIFs. All right. Thanks, Anti-Siphon Training. You guys rule. All right. Hey, guys. Every single day, we do an activity called the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tim McDonald currently has the baton. Tim McDonald with the baton. He's looking for somebody to take the baton. What is the baton? Listen, here's the baton. Every single day, one person takes the baton. Tim McDonald did this yesterday. He goes over to LinkedIn. You can do this too. Make a post on LinkedIn and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and tag me. Share your story. Why are you into cybersecurity? What have you discovered? What gets you excited? Why are you passionate? Why are you part of the Simply Cyber Community? Whatever you want, let it be known and share. And the whole reason is because the Simply Cyber Community is going to crash over you in an awesome wave with connections and your LinkedIn network will build but it'll build with meaningful people who are supportive, inclusive, sharing resources. It's dope. So if you want that, go ahead, black, um, go ahead and say you want the baton and let Tim McDonald share that with you. Don't be shy. Trust me. It's awesome for everybody else. If you want to build your professional network in a meaningful way, go on LinkedIn and just search for the hashtag 
you will be able to find people who have posted. I think we've had 200 people with the baton. Every one of them, you're building your network. You're learning about each other. Networking is not about a number. It's about the meaningfulness of the connections. And this is a way that we've weaponized LinkedIn to build that network. It's super awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for the baton. We look forward to whoever picks up the baton. Now, every single day of the week has a special um, segment. And today is Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish's Meme of the Week. He makes a custom meme every day. Now, if you were here on Monday, I know Keith Sloan wasn't, but on Monday, I went live and there were problems. And Eric Taylor jumped into chat and, and, and saved the show while I rebooted my computer. So Dan Reardon capitalized on this and got this. So this is uh, Eric Taylor shoving me aside and saying, move, and fixing the, uh, the, the stream. So thank you, Haircut Fish. Love it. All right. All right, guys. Let's finish strong. Let's finish strong, okay? Let's go. Let's finish strong. We're back in the news for the second half. Meta's next-gen LLM coming later this year. The information sources say Meta will release its next-gen Llama 3 model in July. Meta aims for this model to loosen up responses around more controversial topics, allowing it to provide context to a query rather than flat-out refusing a query like in Llama 2. One example cited in the report that Llama 3 could answer the question, how to kill a vehicle's engine, understanding how the word kill is used situationally. It sounds like the model still needs some tuning, though, as Meta will only appoint someone to oversee tone and safety training on the model in the coming weeks. All right. So this is talking about. Uh, so, OK, so first of all, in the world of A.I., shall we play a game? in the world of A.I., uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, which I saw the other day is valued at 80 billion dollars. So if you like money, <laughs> uh, OpenAI is printing it. Uh, and then Google gets in the fray because Google's Google and they're like, oh, we're the big kid in town. So Google releases Gemini and it's really been like a Gemini versus chat GPT game. And Meta, the Zuck, you know, like, dude, if you're not doing AI, you're you're, you know, spinning your tires. So Meta wants to jump in the fray. But how do how do you differentiate yourself? Well, it looks like their uh, approach is to have context handling of words. So instead of seeing the word kill, as they give in the example, and immediately saying, no, um, it says, okay, like you're talking about killing an engine. So that's safe, not killing a person. Um, okay, that's fine. We'll see how it goes. Um, I don't really think it says in the story, it said Gemini's historically inaccurate responses. I've used Gemini. I've used ChatGPT. I haven't seen unbelievably outrageous responses from Gemini that were like, Hey, can you, you know, can you make an outline for a conference talk? And it's like, you know, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll help you with that. Like get two cups of sugar, one cup of flour and like make bread or, you know, like it's nothing ridiculous. Like I've never seen anything. Um, all of the AI agents are, you know, good first drafts. You would never straight up copy and paste the response from an AI and then pawn it off as your own. But I haven't seen that. So I don't know if this is like meta pain uh, to, to like get inserted into the streams and paint a narrative that it's better than Gemini simply uh, because of that. Um, but anyways, 
I don't know, man. The <clears throat> the AI bot space is pretty crowded already. Meta's got a lot of money to be able to push Llama 3. Obviously, they can integrate it with uh, popular solutions that people like, like Instagram and Facebook and such. Uh, we'll see how it goes, dude. Uh, I do think from a straight uh, prompt engineering hacking perspective, um, if you introduce the ability to say things like kill an engine, um, I don't know, man. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. You're you're introducing a lot of opportunity for hacking. Basically, I bet you Llama becomes like a pen tester, offensive security slash threat actor, uh, goldmine. Because, like, dude, like again, I'm not the smartest kid in the room, and if I can come up with something in like five seconds, I know the more sophisticated, smart people are going to get it. Listen, all you have to do is say, like, hey, listen, um you know, this person, like, like a variable, right? Like, Hey, explain to me how to kill an engine. Okay. Now an engine is actually this person explain to me how to kill an engine. And like, that's just like one thought, right? Like, you know, maybe like you hack the context shift. Cause it's like, Oh, it still says an engine, but it thinks an engine is now a person. I, again, I don't know. I'm just shooting from the hip here, but I, I, to me, it just, it introduces squishiness and a lot of, um, fringe use cases that are going to be very difficult to uncover through U8, um, through, you know, unit testing and stuff like that. So we'll see. Lee links used to spread Mac malware. Security researcher Brian Krebs reported on a campaign targeting victims using these calendar links in the cryptocurrency startup space. The attackers pose as established crypto investors and attempt to set up a video conference call. Clicking on the link runs an Apple script that downloads a malicious Trojan on Mac OS. Krebs note that the script the attackers use resembles a campaign from a Lazarus Group affiliate last year, documented by the cybersecurity firm Slowmist. All right. Um, okay. All right. Um, so, all right. So, Krebs on security. I, I didn't realize Krebs was uh, such a polarizing person, but. You know, he's been doing um, cybersecurity related journalism for a decade or more. Um, he's also often targeted by threat actors. Um, so that, that's kind of a crappy uh, situation to have that as your day, your daily driver, if you will. Um, so, guys, I don't know if you do this, but it makes a lot of sense. Listen, from a threat actor perspective, again, welcome to Threat Actor Academy. Um, from a threat actor perspective, you want people to click on links. And a lot of times you attempt to use social engineering to convince them to click on the links, either through uh, a reward, like, hey, the first 10 people that send me Bitcoin, I'm going to send double back, right? So you set a sense of urgency, but a sense of reward. Hey, I got two tickets to the masters. Like who hasn't seen a company-wide email that says like, oh, hey, we've got extra tickets or we've got an extra monitor or whatever. Like the first person to respond gets it you know, boom, people aren't even thinking they're clicking through or you use fear. Hey, there's been some, uh, um, unauthorized, there's been some odd activity on your bank account. Click here to verify it. Hey, um, you know, your, your, uh, your email is going to get, uh, locked out unless you respond to this email, whatever fear or rewards. We train our users quite a bit on looking for, you know, sketchy things, but Calendly, Calendly links is interesting. A lot of times when you're trying to coordinate with somebody, 
on. And if you don't know what Calendly is, basically it allows, it's a service that allows you to integrate with your own calendar. And that way, um, if I say like, hey, Josh Mason, let's meet about whatever, I'll send him a Calendly link and he can click on it and he can see my whole calendar. And it basically reduces the friction of like, hey, how's Wednesday at 1130 AM? Oh, that doesn't work for me. How's, you know, they reply back, how's Thursday at one? No, that doesn't work for me. And you have this like stupid back and forth of trying to figure it out. With Calendly, you know, it basically, it's it's awesome. But I will tell you, uh, really smart attack vector because when someone sends a Calendly, I typically click right on it, right? Because it's like, it's a, it's a normal, regular used thing in industry. Um, now, I don't understand how they are weaponizing it. Either it's through like typo squatting, meaning they have like a weird domain name that looks like Calendly, but it's not actually Calendly. Um, but I'm trying to see here. Um, okay. So here they're in the DMS. Let's set up a call. Calendly, Calendly booked. Oh, interesting. So it's not actually, so, I mean, whatever, this is, this is whatever. Like, so this Calendly link is legit. They're not doing typo domain name squatting on the Calendly link. It looks like what they're doing is they're actually sending a malicious payload. Cause like when you, when you sign up for the Calendly, like I get on Josh Mason's calendar, uh, a calendar invite comes, comes to me so I can put it on my calendar. Right? So it sounds like they're actually delivering malware through the Calendly link. Um, and then, you know, the victim clicks on it basically. Uh, and then they're off and running. So, Obviously, this is a really interesting um, attack. Okay, so here's the deal. Again, it's it, it's spreading Mac OS malware. Um, Macs are not invulnerable. This seems kind of targeted, right? Because you get in someone's DMs, you have to invest in the grooming of like the 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 relationship to get them to feel comfortable. TLDR: Be mindful of what you click on. Run EDR on your endpoints or some type of anti-malware solutions um, and be aware. I will say that it is worth noting, this is definitely a story that you may want to share with your executives, right? If you sign up, do exclamation point newsletter and chat right now. But if you sign up for my newsletter or the Simply Cyber newsletter, every single Monday, we send out an email with like three pieces of actionable intel that like you literally can just copy and paste and use to like, really crush it at work, look amazing at work and actually drive cyber risk reduction at work. It's a completely free service that we do. Um, this is a good one for executives because a lot of times executives and by the way, the executives assistants, they should know about this too, are using Calendly links to set up meetings and you know mergers and acquisitions or like whatever, right? Um, they could be targeted by this. And because they're VIPs, like obviously they're more sensitive. They access to more sensitive information. So that could be... Um, that could be interesting too. So just be mindful of that. Um, again, I, the other thing I would say on this one, by the way, is like right now it's Mac malware, but like this is an interesting technique. So I could see this being adopted by other threat actors um, using, you know, uh, Windows payloads, Windows malware, or other types of attacks. Epic Games denies hack. Earlier this week, news that the Megalovich extortion group claimed to have breached Epic Games hit social media, stealing over 189 gigabytes of data and offering it for sale for $15,000. Epic Games immediately investigated and said it found zero evidence of any attack or data loss to substantiate these claims. 
Unlike other extortion groups, Megalovich typically does not share data samples from alleged attacks, only selling that data directly. Security researchers speculate they operate a scam operation to entice buyers. All right. I don't. I don't understand this attack. So basically, uh, a threat actor gang is claiming successful compromise of Epic Games, who's, uh, you know, Epic Games is printing money. If you don't know, they run Fortnite, they run um, Rocket League, they run, um, oh my God, a couple other ones. Anyways, they are a video game company and they're they're probably like a billion dollar company, right? Like I'm actually kind of curious, Epic Games annual revenue. Uh, 5.76 billion dollars. Yeah. So if you like money, cash, <laughs> uh, then Epic Games is where it's at. So, uh, not surprising that they would be targeted. Um, they said that they found zero evidence of cyber attack. Uh, I am kind of curious. Remember, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to prove a negative, right? Just because they found zero evidence doesn't mean that they they actually were not compromised, right? Maybe the threat actors are that good. They cleaned up after themselves. I will say, typically, a um. Typically, it's only nation-state threat actor level, really, you know, or or prior nation-state trained threat actors that are committing espionage that would want to clear their tracks up behind them very, very well. So if this is just an extortion group, I don't know why they would, you know, why would they clean up their um, their attack as well as they did? So it's probably true that they did not successfully breach Epic Games. Remember, it, when you're a $5.76 billion company, you have a lot of endpoints. You have a lot of infrastructure. You have a lot of employees. So it's possible this group did compromise some assets of Epic Games, but Epic Games' investigation only looked at core IT infrastructure, perhaps, right? Again, you, like you can't think of it as like a large business as like one computer and one person. And like, it's very clear, like it's Boolean. Yes, they were compromised or no, they weren't. Like it's, it's much more um, nuanced than that for sure. Um, this threat actor group has not contacted Epic uh, to tell them anything, but um, let's see. It looks like they tweeted out. They have a they have an official Twitter account. Um, oh, this is from Lawrence Abrams. He runs a bleeping computer. Also nice guy. I emailed him. He replied. Nice dude. Uh, Moglovich has breached Epic Games. This is Dark Web Informer. We'll see. Here's the deal. Unless Moglovich uh, Games drops uh, the receipts, that they have some evidence, then you know Epic Games is going to continue to um, is going to continue to to deny that it's happened. Um, they were selling the data for fifteen grand. Oh my god! Like I don't know, dude. Like if you you compromise a five billion dollar company, you might want to shoot your shot. Um, but whatever. I'm this isn't Threat Actor Academy. I'm just saying. <laughs> so whatever. We'll see. Telegram announces ad revenue sharing model. The encrypted messaging app Telegram will introduce this model in March across 100 countries. It will pay channel owners a 50-50 split of ad revenue earned in their channels, paid out exclusively in the cryptocurrency Ton coins. These coins operate on the open network blockchain. Channel owners can cash out earnings or use them to buy upgrades to their channels. Back in September, Telegram announced integration of a self-custody Ton-based wallet directly in the app called Ton Space. Telegram remains popular with both the privacy conscious and various threat groups. So adding this new rev share model seemed notable. The whole All right. Uh, from the office of not remotely a cybersecurity story comes this one. Uh, so first of all, 
I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, the TLDR here is every platform is monetizing. It's all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. And that's what they're doing. What I will tell you is you can get access to really good resources that are not trying to monetize you on Telegram. Uh, where's my story? Uh, here we go. Our very own Ray Tierney. I don't know if Ray is in chat right now, but um, I don't tell people. I don't. There's so many things that Simply Cyber does that I I like forget to mention. Um, but we actually do have an official um, Simply Cyber Telegram channel. I basically use um, web hooks to from different sources like Nahamsec, TCM, Bleeping Computer. That's when I talked to Lawrence Abrams, asked him if he minded I did this. It just automatically pushes what I think are good cyber stories to the Telegram channel. So if you do want to jump on the Telegram, we have 384 subs right now. But if you go to t.me slash simply cyber official, you'll see it and come on. Okay. Um, there's, like I said, it's 300. Basically, if you want like a curated cyber news feed, uh, because maybe you, you like, you know, you don't, you want stories that are more cyber focused every day. Uh, that could be it. <laughs> so go check out that. All right. All right, guys. Hey, holla, holla, holla. Before you bug out of here, if if you're here just for the news, I want to remind you later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, this beautiful redheaded guy, John Hammond, if you don't know who he is, he's really, really an amazing uh, cybersecurity professional, content creator, and just all around wonderful person. Uh, he's going to come on. We're going to be doing a fireside chat, talking about his new uh, business venture with the Homsec, uh, security research, probably the screen connect vulnerability and the uh, research he did over there with Huntress. It's going to be a great conversation. Go mark your calendars. I'll drop a, a, a link in chat here to this uh, thing. Go check that out. And if you're studying for your uh, security plus, dude, you're going to love this tonight at seven uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Jesse Johnson, who's in chat right now, and Space Tacos, who's in chat right now, are going to be dropping knowledge bombs on your head around Security Plus. Jesse launched this Slay Security Plus. It's an interactive uh, mentoring session done every Thursday around Security Plus. So if you're studying for Security Plus, you absolutely should check this out. I'll drop a link in chat for that, too. Um, I'm very proud that Simply Cyber sponsors Slay Security Plus, enabling Jesse to like level up and make that show amazing and value adding. So go check it out and congratulations Space Tacos for jumping on that. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, um, thank you very much. I bid you good day and hope you're all well. Now, uh, did we get somebody for the um, baton before I close out here? I don't know if we got a baton holder. Uh, Slay Security Plus is every Thursday and Monday, I'm I'm hearing. So giddy up on that. But definitely check it out tonight. Um, cool. All right. Hey, uh, let me know if we got a... Um, let me know if we got a uh, Tim McDonald. Did we get a baton holder? I do want to do that. Hey, and guys, if you want, stay tuned. We have jawjacking, which is basically a cybersecurity AMA with industry professionals right after this show at 9... Uh, AM or like in a few minutes, it's going to pivot over. Uh, Thursdays is DJ B sex day. He has a wealth of knowledge and a different style uh, than me. And you're going to love it. So stay tuned for that. We do not have a baton holder. 
Who wants the baton? I definitely want to share this love with someone. Uh, who wants it? Uh, John De La Cruz, have you done it? Um, I think you have. Um, you know, the problem is if we go long enough, everybody will have done it at one point. So that's definitely it. Keith Sloan. Is Keith Sloan still in chat? We could see Keith Sloan. Keith, I know you're a first timer here, buddy, but uh, if you're interested in doing the um, the baton pass, giddy up on that. I'm going to go ahead and bring in BSEC right now. And um, and because uh, I got to go teach this morning, but I'm going to bring BSEC in right now and I'll kind of manage the baton pass while BSEC gets all warmed up. Guys, you're going to love DJ BSEC. This guy is a legend. Come on in here, DJ. What's a up, legend. Buddy? A legend in my own mind. You are a legend in your own <laughs> mind. So, hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing some jaw jacking, BSEC. What can people expect in the next 30 minutes? Well, like I told you on the back end, there today's stories were not so much cyber. So I do have three stories that we will attack and look at that are actually more in the cyber realm that they can use day to day. And then, of course, we'll just go through and see what people got. All right. I love it. All right, guys. Hey, I'm going to bug out of here uh, and go teach the uh, the students at the Citadel. I will be doing a stenography lab with the students today and having them generate their own PKI certs. So, uh -oh. um, yep. So if they're in chat right now, uh, That's get actually excited. one of the stories. <laughs> is that right? Oh, uh, cool. the, yeah. One of the stories is on steganography that the hackers are actually starting to use steganography to put stuff in and, and drop PNG files. Oh, that's awesome. So if you don't know what steganography is, stay tuned because BSEC's going to drop bombs on you. All right, guys, I'm Jerry, your chat. Thanks so much. And uh, obviously, thank you, BSEC, for uh, enabling the jaw jacking. Uh, until next time, y'all stay secure. All right, everybody, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, let me fire up the music. Hopefully y'all can hear music. And since Jerry decided to uh, to, to get out my uh, steganography, we'll start with that. But for right now, I want to introduce myself. So uh, my name is DJ Bisek. I've been in IT for about 25 years. During that time, I've had jobs in help desk, in sys administration, uh, I've done network engineering. And over the past about five years or so, I've taken the role on uh, the cybersecurity sector, securing endpoints, implementing user training, and building out corporate policies and procedures. So y'all get ready, fire up those questions, and we'll get to it. Right now, it is time for Jawjacking. So those of you that are new here, we go in. This is the point of the, uh, the show where we go into it and we talk and let you take over and ask questions. So don't forget to throw out those questions so we can get those answered. For right now, let's go ahead and jump into this quick story I wanted to let everybody know about. We've got uh, hackers that are using steganography. And like Jerry said, steganography is a method where you take a file and you you pump that file full of malware and hide that, hide that malware in that file and then send it off. And this is showing that they're hiding malware in PNG files. So what we got here is uh, the threat actors are employing steganography to hide malicious. That might be too small. Let's see if we can up this. Maybe you guys can read that. Maybe that's a little bit better. So threat actors are employing steganography to hide malicious payloads in benign files such as pictures or documents. By using this secret tool, 
Uh, threat actors are able to evade security systems and detect and assist their undercover communications or data exports. Steganography is a um, is a great way to, to hide something within a file and be able to get uh, get that that bad information or that that uh, executable file over to somebody. It is real easy to figure out what's going on um, with. Uh, with a file in steganography if you have the original file so if you have a picture so if you have uh file a and file b and file a is the original file b is going to be the one that's got steganography into it file a may be 100 kilobytes but file b is like four megs then you realize those are not the same and of course you can pull hashes and, and so forth so um Yes, Jerry has commented on my timer. So today, I do have a timer running there at the bottom. The reason I have a timer is I do have a meeting at 8.30. So I need to make sure that I'm out on time so I can jump into that meeting. All right, what questions do we have? Anybody um, non-cyber related? Where did you get that Anon masked light? So actually, it's not an anonymous uh, light. It is actually, oh, let me go this way. That is actually a light with the mask around it. And I just got a uh, a light flying through it, so it looks like it's an anonymous light. My mic is low. I can crank my mic up if y'all need me to crank my mic up. Is that better? Yeah, y'all. Let me know if if the if I'm not coming through good. Then then let me know. What is the sky? What is the sky blue? Carrie, I don't know what is the sky blue. Is it supposed to be why is the sky blue? All right, I'm going to jump over. We've got, I've got two more stories. Let's see. Uh, Tim McDonald, I see a question from Tim McDonald. Um, when does... Oh, I, I think we got... When does the rat become active upon download or does the PNG file need to be open? So that's a, that's a good question. I don't think they actually have that in here. Um, what they did go through within this, uh, let me, let me put this in chat that way y'all can go through and read it if you want to. Um, what they did, uh, go through and they, they used any.run. Of course, uh, hopefully everybody knows what any.run is. Any.run is this, uh, malware sandbox, um, that you can not Amy, but, uh, any.run is a malware sandbox. You can go and use links. Um, you can use, uh, you can upload files. You can do threat Intel lookups. Great, uh, great tool for, uh, for blue teamers. Um, what it says is they've used any.run to go through and actually, uh, detonate this malware. Uh, multiple attack indicators, uh, reveal that the threat actor delivers the rat to a UK entity in Finland. And in the campaign, the IDAT loader is key. So I don't think they, I don't think they go through and explain when it actually detonates. Um, but this is, a, of course, all having to do with phishing. Um, I would assume once you've downloaded the file and and if you go to open it to look what's in there, I'm assuming that's where it's gonna. A kickoff. In fact, here we go. Here we have a, we have a nice little. Uh, so it's got the. Let's see here. 
is this yeah it looks like so it it's embedded it uses uh code within it to reach back to the api key that api key then decrypts it uncovers the module and payload from the hidden steganography uh png it'll spawn a shell code for command and then spawn the process a doppelganger process of explore.exe that sounds pretty nasty so yeah um what do we got cj we have a question from cj did you cover the nevada and meta story today and if not yeah that was covered in i believe that was covered in CISO series If this is when you're talking about the the meta next gen llm if not i'm not sure which um which one you're talking about cj let me know slash is your article on your feed and in a reader completed oh no i have not had time to create that I, i'll i'll um get some time and i'll create uh a write-up on how to how to set everything up ssd even though you haven't done cloud engineering would you say that having network engineering skills helps you so with uh cloud engineering it depends on what you're going to be doing in cloud engineering yes um understanding and knowing how networks run 100 percent you're going to have to know that because whether or not you built it in the cloud or built it um in your own data center or your own site you still have to know how everything talks to each other how are you going to segment stuff or how are you gonna are you gonna vlan things out are you gonna break um break networks apart and be able to to have them cross each other into into other networks so yes you you will have to know um networking whether you're in the cloud or not you still have to figure out how those machines are going to talk to each other and talk to the outside world so 100 you need to understand how networking what networking is uh soulshine this soulshine asks do you use cloud services in your day-to-day -day work um I think everybody uses cloud services in their day-to-day -day work, whether or not it's in your uh, in your office or at your home. Everybody's using cloud services. Um, but yes, we use cloud service. We, as as ninety nine point nine nine percent of the companies out there, we have some type of cloud services running. Casually Joseph chimes in and says, "Yes, networking is the fundamental skill for every aspect of cyber." You have to know how things talk to be able to understand um, what you're looking at. Oh, we got Matt McDaniel coming in, throwing some love, saying he uh, loves the days that I jaw jack. Thank you, sir. Eric Taylor. Uh, David Beard, question. Found out that my company has no cs person they have been hit several times through facebook ads also found out that they make up amps on the fly suggestions as how i approach them to help out okay this is a great one there's this is a two-part for this one okay first off company has nobody in cybersecurity. That's not uncommon. Um, I'm gonna assume that it's a smaller company, maybe a small business or a medium business company. That is not uncommon, number one. Number two, 
if you are seeing that they are all getting hit, uh, that they've been hit multiple times from Facebook ads, what you need to do um, is figure out what Facebook ad they got hit by, make a video, make a write-up, do something around that, and then put that out to the company and explain what happened and why. That way everybody knows, Number that'd be number one. And the fact that they are uh, making up processes and procedures along the way, that again, not uh, not uncommon. What you can do, if you're trying to uh, push yourself as being that cybersecurity person or you're wanting that cybersecurity spot within the, within the uh, company, within the corporation, doing those two things of creating a video or creating instruction to let people understand and know what's going on with the Facebook ads, number one. And then number two, maybe go in and talk to somebody uh, in mid-level uh, managerial or upper-level management and say, hey, I would love to to create some process and procedures around what we should be doing around cybersecurity and write those process and procedures and give them to them. They don't have to implement them, but you've you've gone ahead and done that and wrote them and given them to them and given them a, a head start or a way to to move forward. And then they may turn on and go, hey, I like what you're doing. Maybe you should take this over and maybe that'll be the second job you have. Nerman with the super chat of 499. Are you going to DEF CON this year? I am probably not going to DEF CON or Black Hat this year. I'm going to try and see if I can't make it to Wild West Hack and Fest. That's what I want to do. Jerry is, let's see, Space Tacos. Jerry is marvelous, but it's nice to get a different flavor of jawjacking from old man Eric Taylor and the young and wise DJ Bsec. Thanks for mixing it up. Old man Eric Taylor. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we talked about the uh, steganography. I do want, I've got two other... Um, while y'all are firing up questions while we're getting those dropped, I got two other, uh, two other articles here. Hopefully y'all can see this and it's not too small. This kind of fits. All right. So I've also got another article of hackers weaponizing zip files to steal. There it goes to steal, uh, NTLM hashes. So in this, basically what they're, this is. So the three articles I have just happen to be all three of them are kind of around uh, what, uh, who was it? Not Soulshine. What David Beard was talking about with uh, Facebook ads. That's a, a, a file or a, a form of phishing. So all three of these I actually have just happen to be all around phishing. So this is another one using zip files. So threat actors are now using zip files, not now, but they, they're using zip files um, as weapons again to send emails and then have those people uh, extract those zip files or uh, open up those zip files on the machine. And there, of course, they of course have malicious payloads in them, but the email clients or the, the back ends of um, your email are not picking those up because you're allowing or they are allowing those zip files to come through. As a, let's see, as a, uh, form of uh, good posture you should not allow zip files to be sent to you in an email so that should be one of the things as soon as a zip file hits your your email server if it sees that somebody sending you a zip file get rid of it um, don't allow zip files um, 
they can find another way to send something over uh yeah i'd, I'd I've, I've shut zip files down Th those are not good good types i mean that's you might as well send an iso file over if that's if that's the case um let's go through this real quick so they're using zip files to weaponize them uh they're sending it through recently discovered once again by any run analysts have dumped this into any run they're weaponizing zip files to steal the ltm hashes or ntlm hashes um they've seen an increase between february 23rd and present so that's like right now it's happening this week and they've observed a mass attack on these users um here's some complete scenarios so i think there is yeah there's a twitter post i'll let me dump this into chat that's the link to that one Trying to read, trying to do two things at once. Read through this and then read through these questions. Uh, the trick here is that the HTML page is very much intricately crafted upon a 450 byte template. More specifically, redirection, transfers, encryption, HTTP traffic. So yeah, I mean, uh, this is another form of, of phishing. So basically what this is doing is it's dumping a um, next executable file or, or dumping a payload onto a machine, grabbing the Intel ntlm hash and then firing it off looks like attackers use impacted smb server to harvest the user data there you go and there's goes all the queries and gives you everything on that one all right we've got some some questions packed up here looks like kimberly can fix it said i need to go to wild west hack and fest um Yes, uh, Gabriel, I do have a LinkedIn. It should be on, or it should have been in Discord. Y'all can go to Discord. Uh, we hit uh, exclamation Discord. We should be able to get there and let me pull up LinkedIn. Um, on all social mediums, I am uh, DJ Bsex. So you can look at me or look for me on any medium with uh, DJ Bsex. So. I will pull up my LinkedIn real quick. Pop that on there. There we go. There is my LinkedIn. Oh man, that's, I hate that. That's so bright. Black it out. There we go. Let's see what else. Let's go through these questions. We got about 12 minutes left. We okay, we're basically at the mid-roll for uh for jelljacking. So let me go through a quick uh drop for Jerry, because Jerry's got his Cyber 101 course that he is he wants to uh wants everybody to check out. So let's go ahead and do that real quick and then we'll come back and finish out jelljacking.
Are you looking to pivot your career into something more secure and exciting? Hi, I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I'm here to guide you into the world of cybersecurity. Now, whether you're 25 or 45, switching careers can be intimidating and challenging, especially into cybersecurity, which has an overwhelming amount of roles and disciplines. Now, based on my 20 years of industry experience and years of teaching at the Citadel Military College, I've designed and built Cybersecurity 101 to be your one-stop launchpad to new beginnings. Cybersecurity 101 offers over 22 hours of video content, 100 plus lessons, 12 hands-on labs, all starting from the basics. So whether you have IT experience or not, I've got you covered. This course was designed as a comprehensive college-level curriculum and should take about three months to complete at four hours a week. Try it out and see for yourself. I made some of the lectures and labs available to access without paying anything so you can see what's going on. Take the first step towards your new career. Visit simplycyber.io slash cyber101 to learn more and enroll in Cybersecurity 101. Your future in cybersecurity starts today. And we are back. All right. So right now, what are you doing? You're watching Gerald Ozer's daily cyber briefing. I am Ben, a.k.a. DJ Bisek, and I'm filling in for Jerry for this jawjacking segment while Jerry heads off to teach at the Citadel this morning. Um, I do want to remind everybody today at 430, Jerry does have a fireside chat with the one and only John Hammond. That should be great. Everybody make sure. In fact, I will... I've got a link. Let me drop that link in here so everybody can go click on it, set their reminder. And then we've also got tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, we have Jesse J with Slay Security breaking down Domain 2.5 on the Security Plus with the one and only Space Tacos. And let me grab a link for that one and we can drop that one in here and you can go set your reminder for that one as well. All right, I do have a couple of questions that have been backed up. I've got about 10 minutes left and let's see if we can knock these out. Um, Soulshine says, what is the most challenging part of your job? The most challenging part of anybody in IT or cybersecurity, the most challenging part of the job, it's no secret, it's the users. It's always the users. They're the number one challenge for uh, everyone in IT. If you throw us in the back room and just let us hammer away and do stuff and fix stuff, that's not a problem. It's always something to deal with a user. A user's got a problem over here, or got a problem over there. It's always a user. Some people might not might not want to say it, but everybody in IT knows that's what it is. Um, let's see. Jess, Jess says she's gonna buy me a steak dinner if I show up at Wawa's Hack and Fest. I don't know. That sounds like Sounds like she knows something that I don't know. Like maybe the steak dinner's free. Oh, let's see. Eric, Eric Taylor comes in and says he is not that old. He's not that old. He's just older than me. Um, Ian Michael, what are your alternatives to, do you have to sending large files over? Um, Ian Michael. So there are a lot of ways or a lot of things you can do to send large files over. Um, you've got, uh, course google drive OneDrive. you have all those different you know dropbox all of those you can use those to allow them to send files over and that way when it actually pulls it down it'll scan it um you can get hashes for those to make sure that the the files are legit so forth um that's what that's what i would do i would not sending stuff through an email is just another allowing things um like zip files iso files just allowing a lot of different types of um attachments in email not a good idea stick with the basics like allow some pictures even though we just saw like i said we saw stenography i can't even say it stenography in there um 
you're gonna have to allow something to come through through email but don't allow the bad ones to come through and there are we know zip files are easily used by threat actors to to send stuff through let me switch this over because we are not using there we go we got a bigger um so we got what alternatives george Asperger, is it bad one of my socks send their reports in a zip file it drives me nuts okay so george that's different internal to internal email completely different outside to internal or outside to in that's where more than likely you're not going to have somebody that's sitting on your network sending you malware so internal to internal not not that big of a deal in my eyes maybe somebody else has a different opinion but not in my eyes um external to internal that's where you gotta draw the line throw that firewall up um james lynch question so instead of a zip file should we tell people to use so that's uh tgz is the same thing so all that is is a compressed file so when they send a what, what we're doing here what what um what we're talking about with zip files or tarballs or any of that stuff we're talking about a compressed file that isn't being searched through to begin with so you're taking a instead of um sending file by file and those files actually hitting the email server or hitting your um hitting your security server that are, that's going to be scanned you're now bundling it all up and basically putting it into it's like uh you've got a piece of paper that's going to be scanned versus you have a whole file cabinet that they just look at the file cabinet and then give you the file cabinet and then somebody opens it up and all the papers go everywhere you you want to be able to scan the files that are come through and if the file that comes through is locked and has a password on it or so forth it's not going to scan through all of those <laughs> well it's less of a so to eric taylor's point it's less uh internal internal is less of an issue i didn't say it's not an issue it's less of an issue Where is that? Where I'm gonna, I want to put that up here because Eric Eric is right. I mean, it, you could have somebody get compromised internally, and they're sending stuff out. I mean, that that's another thing. Now you now with the way that um, things are going, you have people that end up getting a phishing message or something like that that do get compromised that then the threat actor has access to that user's email so now what now they have access to the user email so now they can send that zip file internally i mean we're talking a whole new different ball game there then it's not that it doesn't happen it happens believe me it happens let's see tim mcdonald i would advise against zip files Internally, if email is compromised or spoofed, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was just saying. Um, yeah, you can share, if you share those files, that's what I would do. You share those files on a drive. So most of those one drives, those drop boxes, um, those are scanned. Microsoft on a, Microsoft's scanning one drive. Google is scanning uh, Google Drive. I'm sure Dropbox has something going on with it. So,
There you go. Eric Taylor, did you hear that DJ B said called you old? I'm not sure Wise was attached either. Stirring the pot. How are things going at Barricade Cyber? Uh, sometimes I love just getting up here and just jaw jacking. Messing with everybody. Um, all right, I do have one last. Uh, we got three minutes left. I do have one last thing. And we are talking about, as we continue to talk, I mean, this whole jawjacking session has been about fishing and so forth. But one that we, I have seen, um, this was yesterday. What? No, it's two days ago. I forgot. Today's a, our leap day. So this is the 27th. Um, pseudo mailing. So, um, or subbed, I said pseudo. I see that and I think pseudo. Um, subdo mailing, uh, hackers are abusing 13,000 subdomains of popular brands. So basically what these hackers are doing is they're going out and they are finding subdomains. Um, they're running scans. I can go into everything of how this is done, but they're, they're running scans and finding subdomains that people have created. So for instance, I guess I will go into it a little bit. So for instance, if you have, um, website.com and for whatever reason you put you put in a marketing.website.com just for one marketing plan that you did and then it kind of just went to the void and then was never um has never been reused what they do is they go out and they take that subdomain and they send their emails from that subdomain so so because you set it up as marketing.website.com more than likely you put in um you put in a DKIM, you put in DMARC, you put in uh, SPF, so people can, uh, or, yeah, SPF, so people can send messages from there because it was a marketing campaign. So now that allows people to send messages from there that look authentic. And that's what's going on here is they're taking those subdomains and sending messages out. They're finding those subdomains and they're sending out messages using those subdomains that make that message, make that email look legit. So, you got to watch for that and, and always um, there are ways to combat this through your email systems and only allowing um, messages coming from your specific domain um, also through other other ways within the email system to allow uh, or anything that comes in from a subdomain that's not it that you don't allow through but the the issue here is more along the lines of them finding out who your customers are and sending something from there to your customers and that way they get an in because it then passes that check and says hey it's a it's a, a legit email let's see what we got um ian michael i agree about your alternatives but most companies have no it group or person so I worry about popping up and dropping a Dropbox or something of that sort. Well, I'd agree. I'd agree. But I mean, one way or the other, they've got to have the, they got to get the information. They've got Marcus, in your opinion, what is the best home grade router firewall software? Um, I mean, if you really want to learn stuff, then use PFSense. PFSense is the way to go. Um, that gets you a an understanding of how true firewalls work. Um, if you want something nice and easy, that's got a lot of, uh, that has a ton of options. Um, I know we talked about Ubiquity yesterday, but the Ubiquity line 
Um, the Unify line is a good line. Um, but yeah, PFs, I, I would go with PFSense. If you're trying to learn firewalls and, and um, networking, PFSense is the way to go. PFSense, get a box, have PFSense on it, put a couple of uh, network cards in there. That way you can have separate network cards. You can have a backup internet in there. Be great. Great to learn. All right, we have come to the end of jawjacking for today. Looks like I kind of got through all the questions that they've that the mods have dumped in here. Um, I want to thank everybody for hanging around with me. Um, loved all the questions that we had today. That's going to be it for me for jawjacking today. I've got to go jump onto a meeting. Uh, don't forget today, 4:30 p.m. John Hammond and Jerry are going to have a fireside chat. Jerry's going to uh, look at John's beautiful face, as he said, and talk to him. We've also got Jesse and Slay Security Plus with uh, Space Tacos at 7 p.m. Eastern, where they're going to be breaking down your Security Plus needs in Domain 2.5. So until then, I hope to see everybody tomorrow for the Daily Cyber Brief. Have a great and wonderful day, and we will see you tomorrow. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.